0: hello everyone and welcome to episode seven of sue's corner now we have been talking a lot of nfl and today we're talking about everything else we're talking college football mlb and nba we're kicking it off we're buying and selling we're going to sports court we're doing five minute frenzy and of course we're wrapping up with the final whistle you won't want to miss any of it so without further ado just a reminder for you all who are listening and there are people that are listening to this every week that are not following the podcast. So do follow it, whether you're on Apple podcasts or Spotify, and then head on over to Sue's corner at Sue's underscore corner, S O O S underscore corner. And we have reels and some surprising new things coming along the way, some exciting things. So be sure to follow us on Instagram. So you never missed a podcast episode preview ever again okay so without further ado i'm gonna drink some water and then get ready for the kickoff and everything else okay so now it is time to start off this episode as we start off every other one with the kickoff which is my opening statement my opening words the things i want you to hear the most for you 10-minute podcast listeners so and shout out to you too you still get me algorithm views or algorithm listens, but you should listen to the whole thing. But for you 10 minute listeners, this is what I want you to hear the most about. And it's talking college football. So when college football needed a hero, Dion Sanders stepped up. There's a phrase that I love in the sports world. I forget who said it, but it's love me or hate me. You watched. And I, I just absolutely love that saying. I think it's so applicable to sports. Because Deion Sanders is not everyone's cup of tea. I would say nationwide people are probably split 50-50. Half of the people absolutely love Deion Sanders. Half of the people can't stand to even hear his voice. But everyone's watching. This is a Colorado team that won one game last season. They were a completely irrelevant team and now Colorado are can't miss TV. They are getting national games. Everyone is involved with Colorado. Everyone wants to watch. Some people watch to see them win. Some people watch to see them lose. But they're watching. So Colorado, let's look back. Colorado won one game last season. They hired Deion Sanders from Jackson State. Deion Sanders had a lot of success. Jackson State in HBCU College. He did an absolutely fantastic job there. Had Travis Hunter. His son, Shadur Sanders, was the quarterback there as well. So he goes to Colorado, a team that won one game in the Pac-12. And he brings all of these guys along with him. Cleans house. And so Colorado, in their first game of the season, go to Texas to play TCU, who were ranked number 17 at the time. And Colorado goes in and beats them 45-42. to Shadur Sanders throws for over 500 yards. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. So they go into 17th-ranked TCU with this huge wave of hype. But everyone's saying, oh, TCU's going to handle them easily. And they go in there and win. And then they follow it up in their first home game with a good performance against Nebraska. 2-0. And then this is really where the colorado hype came to its peak so far they play at home the rivals colorado state colorado colorado state has been an irrelevant rivalry game for years the the stadiums wouldn't even fill up when the two when the two teams would play no one would watch except if you went to those schools it was just like oh Colorado Colorado State's on whatever. This game was probably one of the most hyped college football game regular season games ever. So Colorado were projected to beat the line on Colorado Colorado State was Colorado minus 23, which means people in Vegas and people in the sports community believes that Colorado were going to win by more than 23 points. The game goes into double overtime and Colorado pulls it out 43 to 35. But what happened before the game and during the game was what really paid off for Colorado here. So before the game, Deion Sanders gets into a war of words with Colorado State, Colorado State's coach, just trading barbs, you know, just going through press conferences, ripping each other. The Colorado State coach says that Dion is disrespectful because he shakes hands with his sunglasses on. So Deion Sanders has all this, these things prepped. He's firing back in his press conferences. And then before the game, the players are going fist to cuffs at midfield, throwing punches, pushing and shoving. And then during the game, it was probably one of the dirtiest football games that I've ever seen. Travis Hunter, Colorado star player, gets injured on a late hit, a very late hit by a Colorado State player. And then throughout the game, there are just, there are probably over 10 unsportsmanlike, unnecessary roughness, those type of calls, taunting, all those calls. So remember, Colorado was supposed to run away with this game. Everyone was watching because they were wanted to see Dion's reaction to a blowout, but we did not get that, folks. We got Colorado State coming to play, and Colorado State will still be in pain over losing this game because they should have won it. Colorado comes back in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. Score a touchdown to tie it up with 36 seconds left. And then Colorado State just can't get it done in overtime. And then riding that hype from that game which they didn't play well in, they go to they go to Oregon and they lose 42 to 6. And so the Deion Sanders haters are just having a field day right now. Oh, Colorado's awful. They're fakers. They're exposed. But I think, first of all, we're lo- losing the point of two things. Oregon is a much better team than Colorado State. Deion Sanders might have brought over his son, Travis Hunter, and a few other guys. But this Colorado team, as Deion Sanders said, right now, beat us while you can. This is the worst of Colorado's team will be under Deion Sanders. And Oregon are a dang good football team. And Colorado's weakness is their defense. And Oregon's offense is their strength. So Oregon just obliterated them. And we'll talk about Oregon a little later in the episode. But I just want to talk about how Deion Sanders has everyone talking about Colorado, a team that won one game last year in the Pac-12, which is not a relevant college football conference anymore nationally. College football has been rather vanilla the last few years. I've, I've, I love college football. I watch it, but there haven't been these big storylines. And Deion Sanders brings a storyline to every single matchup, every single press conference. So Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes are at home to USC this week. USC, ranked number eight. It's going to be an awesome game. I cannot wait to watch it. But I think what we need to remember is is the quote, love me or hate me, you watched. Deion Sanders, in a vanilla college football world where everyone is so seeped in tradition, which is one of the best things about college football, Deion Sanders is a disruptor. He's going in there and messing up the status quo. And you might love him or you might hate him, but Colorado are America's team one way or another. Half of America wants them to fall flat on their face. Half of America wants them to be the greatest team ever. So I can't wait to watch them for the rest of the season and for years to come. So college football should be thanking Deion Sanders because he's the hero they needed because now everyone is engaged. Colorado is can't miss TV. And we'll be back on our midweek episode next week talking about their game with USC. Because you can't not talk about them. You can't not talk about Deion Sanders' of Buffalo. But now it's time to shift gears. To buy or sell. Where we have everything on the sports market. And I tell you if I'm buying or selling, the hype. So we're going to start at Camden Yards with the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles... Our first place in the American League East, two and a half games in front of the the Rays. With only a few games left to go. But I want to talk about the Orioles in the playoffs. So some people are, most people are saying that the Orioles ceiling this year is getting to the American League Championship Series. I'm going to tell you why the Orioles are going to be out in the first round. The Orioles do not have the pitching to get it done in the playoffs. The Orioles are a fun team to watch. I am not arguing with you there. At all. Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson, Jorge Mateo, Cedric Mullins, Mountcastle, Santander, Urias. They have have incredible young players. They're really fun to watch. And they have a very good bullpen with Felix Bautista, Yenier Cano. They have an incredible bullpen, but they don't have enough starting pitching. Their starting pitching just isn't good enough. I'm going to read off some of their starting pitching. Kyle Bradish has a 3 ERA. I would say he's probably their best starter. Kyle Gibson. 4.86. Cole Irvin, 4.54. Dean Kramer, 4.25. Grayson Rodriguez, 4.5. Four, four Tyler Wells, 3.75. So, my worry with the Orioles is that they don't have enough starting pitching because when it comes down to it in the postseason, it comes down to pitching. Those do or die games like we saw in the Astros Mariners series last year are going to come down to two, one games whose pitching is good enough. And I just feel like the Orioles, the teams in the AL wildcard and the other teams in the American league have a plethora of pitching. So I'm, I'm selling on the Orioles being a playoff contender this year. They need to splurge for not just one good starting pitcher. They need three or four. Because in the MLB, hitting gets you to the playoffs. We've seen with the Yankees this year. They pitched well, but hitting gets you to the playoffs. You need to hit throughout the year, and the Orioles have hit. That's why they have 97 wins. But pitching gets you playoff wins, and they don't have enough pitching. So I'm selling on the Orioles. And now let's go back to college football, where we're talking a little little bit of Texas Longhorns. The Texas Longhorns folks are the third ranked team in the nation. The Longhorns are absolutely rolling li- right now. They dismantled rice, dealt with Alabama, beat Wyoming and shellacked Baylor last Saturday. And they now have Kansas who are ranked 24 in the nation in undefeated and then Oklahoma in back to back weeks in the red river. So right now we're talking, are Texas going to make it in the playoff? Am I buying or selling? I am 100% buying. I'm 100% buying. The college football playoff usually sneaks one Big 12 team in there. So I think the Texas Longhorns have wiggle room to lose one game. And really, the only two teams that they could possibly lose to, in my opinion, are coming up right now. Kansas and Oklahoma back to back, that Oklahoma game will be interesting, but I am buying Texas making the playoff because I believe that the college football playoff system wants a big 12 team in there. So if Texas only loses one game, I think they're in. And I think Texas have shown this year that they have enough offensive firepower to get it done. They've scored over 30 points in all four of their games. But I think the important thing is in three out of their four games, they've held their opponent to 10 points or less. So Texas have a defense now. And the problem for Texas has always been we're in these offensive shootouts and we need to try to outscore you because you have a poor defense. But this defense is for real. They have pass rushers. They force turnovers. And Quinn Ewers, in that Texas offense, Xavier Worthy, I'll tell you, they're a dangerous offense. People thought they were gonna fall off with Bijan Robinson, but they haven't yet. They've just kept rolling. So I'm gonna be excited to watch Texas in this year's college football playoff because I'm buying the Longhorns to make the playoff because I believe that they have that one game wiggle room that Ohio State doesn't have, or teams like Michigan don't have because the Big the Big Ten is so competitive at the top of the tree. The Big 12 is a little weaker this year, so I think Texas has a real shot. And they should take their shot before they head over to the SEC and have to compete with Georgia, Bama, all, LSU, all of these teams next year. So take your golden opportunity while you can, Texas. So I'll be interested to see how that pans out, but I'm buying Texas to make the playoff. And now let's go over to Oregon. We talked about the flip side with Colorado, but Oregon, wow. Oregon's coach says in his pregame speech, I encourage you all, if you haven't seen it, to go on YouTube right now, pause the episode and go look right now. It's a 30-second clip, but wow. Fired me up. He said they're referencing Colorado. They're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. In Oregon, all they're doing is winning right now. They dismantled Colorado 42 to six. They dismantled Hawaii, snuck by Texas Tech and obliterated Portland State 81 to seven. And they have Stanford this weekend, and Stanford are not good. But then they have a stretch, four out of their five games are against ranked teams. They go to Washington, then at home to Washington State, then at Utah and then at home to USC. So people are talking about Oregon as a fringe playoff contender. I'm gonna say this. I do not think Oregon cracked the top 20 or finish in the top 20 this season. Oregon are a dang good football team. They have Bo Nix, who's a great college quarterback, but their schedule is just absolutely brutal. And I believe that when you play four ranked teams in five weeks, Stamina and fatigue plays a factor. You don't get out of those games unscathed. It takes a lot out of you. So I'll be interested to see how Oregon can cope, but I am selling on the Oregon being an elite team hype. I think they might sneak into the top 25 in that 20 to 25 range. But Oregon are a few years away from competing at the top of the tree. Because sadly, they're just in a conference that right now has a lot of talent. The Pac-12, it's a shame that they're all getting disbanded because it's really fun. Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Utah, all of these teams are ranked in the top 20. Oregon State, all of those teams are ranked in the top 20. So I just don't think Oregon has enough talent to get through all of those games unscathed. Okay, and then we're just talking a little bit of baseball now with the Philadelphia Phillies. So, the Phillies, we all know what happened last year snuck into the playoffs and then caused absolute havoc. So, now the Phillies are in a wild card race. A wild card race for the ages, but the Phillies are safe in this wild card race. We're going to talk about the other four or five teams in a minute but the Philadelphia Phillies now are going to try to strike lightning twice because the Phillies now are going into the playoffs as a wild card team. So it'll be interesting to see how the Phillies follow up last year's stellar act in the playoffs. And once again, they're going to be relying a lot on Bryce Harper, which is to be expected when you have maybe the best player in the major leagues. But the Phillies, what I worry about with the Phillies is their bullpen. I don't think the Phillies have enough bullpen firepower when the game gets into that 7th, 8th, and ninth inning. And when your starter has a rough outing and you have to pull them in the third outing, it happened in the third inning and it happens in the playoffs all the time. They don't have enough pitching to get themselves through. Do you think there's a common theme in baseball? Teams with the best starting rotation win the World Series? I want you to go and look at the previous winners of the World Series. Look as far as the Astros last year. Look at their starting rotation. Look at their bullpen. Absolutely lights out. And I just don't believe that the Phillies have enough firepower to follow up. Last year's act and go one further and win the World Series. So I'm selling on the Phillies hype. So now it is time for Sports Court. The segment where I am the prosecutor, defendant, judge, and jury of this week's biggest sporting disputes. So today we're debating rookie quarterbacks. When you draft a rookie quarterback, do you let them start right away or do you let them sit? For a few years and observe okay so we're gonna use two quarterbacks to compare we're gonna start with Bryce Young and Jordan Love and I know I said at the start of the episode I'm not doing NFL talk I'm not talking NFL standings or games the NFL week one week three recap will be out in a few days don't worry But I do feel like this is a debate that applies to college football and other sports as well. So Bryce Young on the Carolina Panthers is struggling. The game looks really fast to him. He's having a really tough time. And of course, going to Alabama, he absolutely ran the show. He was incredible. But now he's struggling. And then you look at a quarterback like Jordan Love. Jordan Love is not Lighting up the touch paper, setting the NFL world on fire. But Jordan Love is playing good football. And Jordan Love sat for three, four years. So I want to talk about other sports as well. Let's look at baseball. Baseball, you usually have to wait five or six years if you're a first round pick. To go and play in the big leagues. Even more if you're a little further back in the draft. So why is the NFL, why is all the pressure on rookie quarterbacks to start right away? These guys are in their early twenties. These guys are kids. They're only a few years older than me. And they have one out of 32 jobs in the world, which is being an NFL quarterback. So if you start them right away, the idea is you just get them more reps and they adapt quicker. Or the argument for letting them sit is that they get to look and observe and see the game. And then when they're ready, you can play them like what the Packers did with Jordan Love. So I want to use this analogy. Okay, it's like knitting. I don't know if you've ever tried to knit, but it's pretty impossible, especially for me. So I want you to imagine... If you go to a knitting competition, it's the first person to knit a blanket wins $1,000. Do you have a better chance going into the tournament having never knit before and just going and hoping you win? Do you think you would win the tournament? Or do you think if you went and watched and practiced back at home and watched the competition, picked up skills, tidbits, little ideas. Oh, I'll steal that. I'll do that. And then go back in four years and actually compete after practicing and observing. Do you have a better chance of being good at knitting? And I I, I, I just think the idea of starting rookie quarterbacks is a bad one. I, I, I don't see the logic in it at all. They say trial by fire. No, you're ruining the kid's confidence. Make him sit behind Andy Dalton for at least a year. Have him watch the game because right now his hair's on fire. He can't make a decision because this isn't college. The gap is so big. So let them sit behind guys like Aaron Rodgers, like Jordan Love sat behind Aaron Rodgers. Let them observe. See what works, see what doesn't work. Travel to those hostile environments, sit on the sidelines and understand what an NFL atmosphere feels like. Build affinity with the wide receivers in practice. But give the kids a break. I don't understand. I think NFL culture is so different to other sports because other sports, we wanna see our players progress when they're young. But NFL, we expect instant results. So the Sioux Sport Court rules in favor of letting quarterbacks sit. And I think for if you when you're rooting for your NFL team and they're drafting towards the top, I think you should root for your team to let your quarterback sit as well. Okay, time to take a little break and then five-minute frenzy coming up next. Okay, so now it is time for five-minute frenzy where I attempt, in five minutes, to catch you up on all of the sports news that happened in the last week. So the five-minute timer is set, and away we go for five-minute frenzy. Okay, so starting in the Formula One world, Max Verstappen wins the Japanese Grand Prix, and Red Bull Racing wins the Constructors' Championship. This is a year that Max Verstappen and Red Bull have absolutely dominated so they are the deserved winners of this year's constructors championship in the mlb world teams that have been on the rise and teams that have been falling down we have teams like sadly the astros not so sad that was sarcasm the astros having been swept at home by the royals and then also teams like seattle losing against the texas rangers the angels Eliminated the Yankees officially eliminated from playoff contention, as are the Red Sox. And then on the National League side, the Padres Blake Snell just misses out on a combined no-hitter. Josh Hader giving up a hit in the ninth inning. The Dodgers secure the a uh, the National League West victory, and the Milwaukee Brewers have 88 wins. At this point this season and they are going to win the national league central in other baseball news shohei otani if you haven't already heard is shut down for the season he is done and mike trout has said he plans to remain an angel as it is every year and the padres an article comes out on them that there's dysfunction within the ranks but apparently there is not but where there is smoke, there is usually fire. So we will see. In the NBA world, the Raptors are currently the front runners for Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard may be looking for a new home other than Portland, and it was first looking like maybe the Heat would step in, but it looks like the Toronto Raptors are thinking about making a swoop for the Portland Star. And the Nets... The Brooklyn Nets Ben Simmons, remember him? Ben Simmons is going to be a full camp participant for the for the Nets after missing so many games last season. And Kelly Oubre is projected is projected to go and signed in with an NBA team. There were rumors that maybe he might be going overseas, but Kelly Oubre is looking like it, he is going to be a Philadelphia 76er. So good for Kelly Oubre. I've always been a Kelly Oubre fan. Good to see him staying in the NBA. And then it is NHL preseason time. So Connor Bedard will be getting a good look at him to start. And then the Rangers had their first game with new coach Peter Lavoyette, And that was a loss to the Boston Bruins. But of course, it's just preseason. So no one freak out just yet. In the soccer world, Lionel Messi went off with an injury, and there is a video online of the inner Miami stand. The second Messi gets subbed off, it's about in the thirty-eighth minute. All the fans just leave. All the fans just leave because Messi was injured. So kind of disheartening. If you're a soccer fan, you know you would hope that these people who spend all this money would actually want to see the team play instead of. Just coming for one player, of course. All the the reason that people came to see was to, the people. The reason the reason the people bought the ticket was to see Lionel Messi. But you don't just have to leave once he gets injured. Inter Miami's too good of a team for that, in my opinion. But if you spend four hundred dollars on a ticket and want to leave, all power to you. College football games this weekend. Friday Night Lights. And it's not called, and it's not high school football. It's college football. We have Utah, the Utes, going against the Beavers of Oregon State at six PM on Fox Sports One. That is can't miss TV. That's going to be an awesome game. We have Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, Kansas, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Duke, Alabama, Mississippi State. Incredible games this weekend. And just on top of that, Iowa. Michigan State, a lot flowing around that Michigan State program and Iowa coming off of that tough loss to the Penn State in the wide out game. But college football, we are getting treated to some absolutely incredible games this week. So I'm looking forward to that. And just like that, the five-minute timer is up and five-minute frenzy is over. And now it is time for the final whistle. My closing remarks, my final word is going to be. About this National League wild card race, which has captivated that the MLB community and should captivate you if you're just a sports fan. So, in the National League, this is where we stand right now. The Tampa Bay Rays are very obviously going to make it through in the wild card, and if they do overtake the Orioles and the ALEs, they would get that too. But it really is a five-team race. Maybe a four-team race now because the Giants have played their their way out of it. But in the second wild card slot, we have the Blue Jays, who are at 87 wins. And third, we have the Astros, who are at 84. And then we have the Mariners, who are at 84. So this wild card race really comes down to a few teams. It comes down to the Mariners and the Astros. So we're going to talk about the American League first, and then we're going to go to the National League. So the American League, the Mariners are a half game out, and the Astros and the Blue Jays are the teams that are in danger. And the Texas Rangers are in danger as well, because if the Astros and the Mariners, since they're in the Rangers division, can jump them, they're in trouble. So it really is a four-team race. And I'm going to tell you right now who's going to be the odd man out. Who's going to be the odd man out? The Rangers, the Blue Jays, the Astros, or the Mariners? So the Seattle Mariners have lost four straight games. And they finish out their season with two more games against the Astros and then four games against the Texas Rangers. I think the Seattle Mariners are going to make the playoffs. I believe. The Houston Astros are going to be the odd team out. The Houston Astros got swept at home versus the Royals. I do not believe that the Astros are playing good baseball right now. And I just feel like if the Mariners can get a win and get back on track, I believe that they have enough pitching and enough youthfulness. Julio Rodrigo, Julio Rodriguez, the leader of that Mariners coalition, Will do enough in the playoffs for them to make some noise. And I just feel like it's their year to make the playoffs. They've had a great year. I want to see Julio Rodriguez, as I said, in the playoffs. So I believe the Astros are going to be the odd man out in the American League. But now let's go to the National League, which is really the one that is just off the charts crazy. The Phillies are going to, as we talked about, Earlier in the episode, the Phillies are going to make the wild card easily. They're five games up. But then, second through fifth, only three teams make it. So, second and third place will make it. So, two people will be the odd man out. You have the Diamondbacks at 82 wins, Cubs at 82 wins, Marlins at 81 wins, and Reds and the Cincinnati Reds at 80 wins. It's incredible. Two teams that are going to be well over 500 are going to miss the playoffs. And these are all teams that no one expected to make the playoffs. The Diamondbacks, uh, they're a few years away. They're fun to watch, but they're a few years away. The Cubs, hmm, they had some good pickups, but they don't have enough pitching. The Marlins, well, they're the Marlins. They aren't going to make the playoffs. And the Cincinnati Reds, well, the Reds, they're the Reds. They'll win 60 games. Whatever. No one cares. Au contraire, mon frere. These teams have been the most fun. Those four teams have been probably the most fun second to the Braves to watch this season. Because they just play hard. But what two of those teams are going to be watching from their couches come October? And my prediction is that's going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Cincinnati Reds. The Arizona Diamondbacks just lost a series to the Yankees, to which the Yankees did not care about that series at all. They have made it very clear that for the rest of the season, they do not care. They have thrown in the towel, which is fine. I love seeing those young guys play. But they're sitting guys. They're putting people on the IL. They're packing up their bags. And the Diamondbacks, in games that meant everything to them, lost a series. So I believe that the Yankees really derailed the Diamondbacks plans. So I think the Diamondbacks are gonna are not gonna make it. They just don't they're like every other team that isn't gonna succeed in October. They don't have enough pitching. So they play the White Sox and the Astros to close out the year and the Astros are gonna be desperate for those games. Because they're still gonna be competing. And so will the Diamondbacks but I believe that the Astros have a little bit more experience in big games than the Diamondbacks do. So I don't think the Diamondbacks make it. And then for the Cincinnati Reds. They just, just simply don't have enough firepower. They have Ellie De La Cruz. Everyone loves to watch the guy. But they just don't have enough firepower. Offensively or defensively. They're in the same scenario. As the Orioles. The Orioles are a little further along. But the Orioles and the Reds. Both have great young players. They're so fun to watch. But they need to get those marquee pitchers because just when it's come down to it when the Reds need a clutch pitching performance they can't get it from anyone so I just don't think the Reds have enough firepower to make it into the playoffs and then for the two teams to make it the Cubs and the Marlins the Marlins wow no team deserves it more than the Marlins they have played so hard they have who just hits, hits, hits? Sandy Alcantara, great pitching, and that's what I think will carry the Marlins through and could make them a threat in the playoffs. Is because boy, they can pitch and they can hit too, but their pitching is incredible. So I believe that the Marlins will have enough in these in this final stretch when pitching is king. Who can score? the most runs, and who can let up the least. That's what baseball is. It sounds simple, but it's hard to do. And I believe that the Marlins won't allow many runs. So I think the Marlins are making the playoffs and the Cubs. The Cubs are just riding a tidal wave right now. For a team that was going to sell at the deadline, boy, have they pulled a second half out of the bag. They sweep the Rockies at home, and now they're at Atlanta and then at Milwaukee. Tough games, but I just believe that it's destiny for the Cubs to get in with Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, Cody Bellinger, and then that incredible pitching staff. I, for one, look forward to watching the Cubs in the playoffs because the playoffs just feels right when games are at Wrigley. So I really hope the Cubs can pull through. So that has been the final whistle, and that has been episode seven. We've covered everything but the NFL. So you'll have to come back in a few days and listen to the NFL Week 3 recap. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. Okay, God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think on Instagram or in that little tab in the tell me what you think portion for you listeners on Spotify. See you all in a few days for the NFL Week 3 recap. God bless you all. Sue's out.